Welcome to the By Words Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Hughes. I love helping passionate women gain clarity about their purpose so they can kick fear to the curb, break up with the hustle, and say goodbye to the lies that hold us back from pursuing our dreams wholeheartedly. We're going to get open and honest, share some laughs, and maybe some tears. But at the end of the day, my hope is that you will walk away encouraged, inspired, and ready to step into your purpose with confidence. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. And I have been really looking forward to this episode, but I've also been kind of like intimidated by this episode. Maybe I I don't know. We're talking about love and it's just, it's interesting because I've written a book about it, published two actually about love. And it's, it's just funny to me because I think that a lot of the times when you see writers or experts in their field, it's like, I don't know, you think that they've mastered it or that they've got it perfect and they've got it down and they always do it right. And that is just so not the case. So I just want to put the disclaimer out there. I firmly believe that the areas that you feel called to teach and that are passionate about are the areas that sometimes you need to hear the most and that you need to work on the most. Um, And that has definitely been the case for me. (laughs) So as we're diving into this, just know that it's coming from a place of like very much in the process with you. I have by no means figured this out completely and mastered loving people well. You can ask anyone in my family or my husband or (laughs) anyone. I I am very much a work in progress, but I'm excited to be learning and to be doing the work alongside you because I am just so passionate. I really do believe that love, it has become like a, a cheesy and a cliche thing, but really, truly love has so much power to shift the world as we know it. And I think there's just a lot of people, um, believers and otherwise who are realizing that, and it's just the hate and the judgment. It's not working anymore. And I think we know that we need better for our world and we need better as a people, like in our communities, it's just, well, I'll stop rambling. Let's just get into this. Okay. Because I'm excited to share some things that I've learned along the way that will hopefully encourage you and equip you to love people well in your life as well. So I recently read this book called vulnerable rethinking human trafficking, and that's not what we're going to be talking about today, but the whole book is about loving people basically, because, um, the author Raleigh Sadler, he makes this statement in the beginning about how, when we intentionally love others, we do the work of prevention, intervention, and aftercare all at once. And of course, he is talking about human trafficking and loving vulnerable people who are at risk and how loving them really is a protection that we can put around them. Um, but I feel like that just is across the board, like loving people in our lives, loving people, it saves people. You know what I mean? Like that sounds so cheesy to say, but loving people well is what helps so many people have a before and after. Like for me, I had a before, like when my life was so hopeless, so dark, I had no hope for the future. I felt just so broken that I couldn't see past it, but people loved me through that time in my life. And now I have an after, like I've come to the other side of that and I'm able to help other people do the same and overcome their struggles and their stories. And 
I feel like love is just a really key part of that. Um, so I am, I'm just really excited to talk about this because we know love is powerful in a lot of ways. It is the solution to our own pain, the pain in the world, um, the pain in the people's lives who are around us because it brings freedom. It brings healing. It brings people together. We know that love casts out fear. I, like I mentioned, it changes lives. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. So as we're starting, I just briefly want to say, have you ever been hurt by the church or by Christians? Because I have, and I've been the source of that hurt for people too. And I just want to say before we even begin, I'm sorry. If you've been hurt by the church, if you've been hurt by Christians, I'm sorry. There's no words that can undo the hurt done by people who claim to serve a kind and loving God, but at the same time, they misrepresent him terribly. And Unfortunately, the world is a broken place and the church is made up of human beings, which is a broken people. And that's not an excuse for any version of hate or anything, but humans simply don't get it right all the time, (laughs) whether you're a Christian or not. Like that's just, we're all tinted with our own collection of experiences in life and it really fogs our judgment, you know, and it comes out in the way we interact with others. You know, the quote, hurt people, hurt people. That is so true. (laughs) And humans with any kind of hurt or baggage can sometimes, a lot of the time, extend or project their burdens on other people, whether they mean to or not. But that is why we need Jesus. That is why we need love in our lives. (laughs) So I just wanted to say that before we even got started, because God is not a reflection of his people. God is a kind God. He is God is love. That's what the Bible says in first John. And somehow he chose us to be the ones who reflect him in the earth. I don't know why we mess up a lot, (laughs) but it's because we're humans in process and we are discovering grace and learning how to extend it to others. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about my personal story in a little bit, but I just wanted to get that out there before we get started. And I'm not saying that this is just a problem for Christians either, because I think the whole world could do for a little bit more intention when it comes to loving people well. So that is why I wanted to talk about this, whether you are a Christian or not, like, let's just talk about how we can come together and make changes in the world a little bit at a time by loving people. So a couple of things about love before we dive in, because I've always thought this is crazy. I think it's so cool and amazing that love is actually what gets rid of fear. And I will probably do a whole podcast episode on fear at some point because it's such a huge piece of, I feel like everyone's life and it holds us back from so much, but we know that love casts out fear. So let's talk about that. Fear is what causes people to hurt other people. Like I said, whether they intentionally do it or not, it could be subconscious, But I found that it's because fear is motivated by behaviors like self-preservation, self-centeredness, self-reliance, and just a general unawareness, like an obliviousness, is that a word? (laughs) Um, Unawareness of others around them. And fear is entirely self-focused. And when we're focused on only ourselves, we are incapable of treating others with love and Again, this is something we don't even think about sometimes. Like we don't have to consciously think like, I'm only going to worry about myself. I'm not going to think about other people. Like it's just human nature. And it's 
it's, we'll get into this, but it's fear trying to protect us. But a lot of the times the things that we're afraid of are not even real. So I I wanted to read you this quote from C.S. Lewis because hello, who doesn't love C.S. Lewis? He's so good. And in his book, The Four Loves, he said this, there's no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. Yikes. (laughs) And then he says, but in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Just let that sink in. I love how right away he points out that to love at all is to be vulnerable. It is, isn't it? It's like, it's hard to let people in and to trust people just in general. And then if you add in any sort of hurt or trauma to the equation, it's like, well, that's the nail in the coffin. I'm never giving people a chance again because it just leads to more hurt. And why would I want to put myself through that? These are questions I've asked myself, (laughs) but here's the thing. Okay. When we are operating in fear and in a defense mode, like self-preservation, not only do we rob ourselves of the opportunity to be in beautiful, loving relationship with other human beings, we can only extend our fear-based behaviors and actions to others. Like all of our self-reliance and our self-centeredness, like it, it manifests in fear. It manifests in judgment, criticism, comparison, all of those things. That is what we project on others. It's what we extend to others, whether we mean to or not. But here's the good news. When we operate in love, we are able to extend love. And, you know, usually people who hurt others hurt, they hurt others because they haven't really fully experienced love themselves. And again, I'm saying this to myself because there are times when I react to something and I recognize, oh my gosh, like, why am I acting like this? And I, I can quickly realize, man, I'm believing things about myself that are totally untrue. And I'm projecting that on others. I'm, I'm believing things about my life and my circumstances that are just not true. But if what we're afraid of having exposed is actually a lie, then we've ended up in the cycle that leads nowhere and helps no one. Can I just say that again? Fear is a trap. It's an endless cycle that leads nowhere. And I don't want you to be caught in it. (laughs) Like I've been caught in it so many times. So the good news is love casts out fear. So let's talk about how that works. If we're talking about lies, which again, beneath fear is typically a lie or a belief that we have. It's usually a lie. (laughs) So if we're talking about lies, then it's a matter of discovering truth to be able to remedy that, right? Because once you're rooted in truth, which in a sense could even be said as rooted in identity, really, once we're rooted in that truth, fear loses its power. So how do we get rooted in truth? A couple of things I could say right away 
identify those fears and the beliefs that are beneath them, bring it into the light. Sometimes the scariest part about the whole process is just admitting the fear. Like for me getting to that point where I could say, I'm afraid to fail because I actually am afraid that I don't matter. That was a huge moment that took some digging. But once I brought it to the light, I was like, oh no, okay, I am not giving any space to this anymore. Yeah, there are days where I still struggle with it, but now I know, okay, I am acting out of a place of believing that I don't matter and I know that's not true. So that's the second thing, discover the truth about you. A lot of the times it's just the complete opposite of what we're believing. (laughs) And for me, I, I believed I don't matter. I'm scared that I don't matter. So the truth is, yeah, I actually do matter. My story actually does matter. I do have something to offer the world. I do have something to bring to the table, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So usually it is just the complete opposite of what we're believing. And if you're not sure where to find the truth about you or like what that would be, like if you have something where it's kind of like, well, I don't know, like this is, this could be true. I would suggest just looking in scripture or talking to a friend, like saying, I'm thinking this about myself. Like, do you think this is true? Can you help me process through this? And I'm sure that the people around you would be happy to help you with that. Like find someone that you trust that loves you, that can walk with you through that because sometimes it's our blind spot, things that we have heard, or maybe we have experienced failure and it has been confirmed and it kind of affirms that fear and that lie. And it eventually becomes something that we believe to be true. So invite people into that process and help them, let them help you see those blind spots so that you can expose those fears. Because the thing is, when you bring it into the light, it loses its power. Same thing with shame, same thing with doubt. Like we've got to get it out there. And that's why being vulnerable is such an important piece of this puzzle. So first identify the fear. Next, discover the truth about you. And lastly, you got to daily affirm that truth by writing it out, speaking it out, whatever you need to do. Because Actually, if you haven't listened to it already, you should go back and listen to my episode on mindset and you will see how this will really help shift your perspective and change your beliefs so that fear has no more power in your life because ultimately whatever you feed grows, right? So as you consistently affirm truth, fear will start to starve out. But if you keep giving attention to the lies, Those are going to become things that seem true to you. So don't give them that power. Don't give them that space in your mind and your heart and your life. We don't have time for that, sister. The world needs what you have to offer and it's too valuable. You are too valuable to let fear keep you from living that out. Okay, so affirm it every day, speak the truth, and eventually you will see your mind start to shift and it will be like a new default setting. It's really cool how that works. Thank you, God, for designing us with neuroplasticity. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've discussed one of the biggest things that holds us back from loving well, which is fear, let's talk about how do we actually love people well then? So the Bible talks about loving our neighbor as ourselves. And, you know, there's, okay, there's a lot of controversy about this, the loving as yourself part. And that's not what this episode is about. So we're not going to get into it too much, but I do want to touch on it briefly before we move on, because I think it's important to note that if we're talking about love, love is not an obsession. It's not selfish in any way, right? Love is not self-seeking. So if we are loving our neighbor as ourself, it's implied that we already are loving ourselves. It's like 
it's just something that we should be doing, right? It doesn't mean that we're putting ourselves above everybody else. It doesn't mean that it's narcissistic in any way. It's just, I love myself by caring for my body, caring for my mind, prioritizing rest, doing things that bring me joy, you know, things like that. Like it's a general stewardship, at least I believe of yourself so that you have the capacity to love others. That's the way I kind of view it. So self-love, great. Like love yourself. Okay. Care about yourself. Don't be mean to yourself, but don't make it about yourself. It's not about you. Love is not supposed to be selfish in any way. So let me just let, now that we clear that up. Okay. Cause the point is we are meant to reflect God's heart in the earth. And that looks like loving people well, but we can't do that if we are empty and don't have anything else to give. Right. So let's just make that plain and simple. Love yourself by stewarding your spirit, soul, body, so that you can show up and love others. Okay. So do you remember Mr. Rogers? (laughs) I know this sounds so random from Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Trust me. I have a point here. Actually in the book vulnerable, um, he references this story and this quote, Amy Hollingsworth references it in her book called the simple faith of Mr. Rogers, spiritual insights from the world's most beloved neighbor. And I love this. Mr. Rogers definition of neighbor was super simple. He said, it's the person you happen to be with at the moment. And he also said that every person is made in the image of God. And for that reason alone, he or she is to be valued or appreciated is what he would say. I just love that. I love that. It just makes it so simple, right? Like loving your neighbor. It's just the person you happen to be with at the moment. And Mother Teresa said, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. That's so cool to think about because I think when we talk about, oh, love your neighbor, it's like, oh my gosh, my neighbor is everybody. I have to love the whole world and I have to take care of my whole community. But like, I don't even know if I can love my own family well, you know? And so I think where it's, where we can overcomplicate it, that just really makes it simple. Again, it's just love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Who's right next to you? That's your neighbor. Um, and I just think that helps a lot. So I wanted to share a little bit about my personal story because this, this is all, this has all been a part of my personal story. So when I was young, I think I was in like junior high, I grew up in the church, but when I was in junior high, I got to, you know, like move up into the youth group and it was a super exciting time. Um, but it ended up being really terrible. (laughs) I was picked on in the youth group. I, I guess it was because I don't even know why, like I had terrible skin, terrible hair. I was like one of two people who went to private school. And so I just kind of stuck out in a crowd of people who were mostly popular kids who went to public school in our town and I just didn't fit in. And I felt really rejected and I felt really hurt because I was so looking forward to being a part of the youth group because I felt like that was a place where I could belong. That's where a place, that's a place where I would be loved. And especially at a church, I was like, what? (laughs) This this was not what I expected. Like I thought this is the place where people were going to be really good and turns out they're horrible. And for a long time, I just couldn't stand Christians. I was like, okay, I believe in God. I love God. I know that he is good, but his people, no, thank you. Like I'm not interested in the people. They're horrible. (laughs) And so for a long time until later on, which I think I shared in the byword story about how I kind of like came back to that place of, you know, giving people another chance. Um, for a long time, I was just really hesitant and really, 
I don't know, skeptical of people, especially Christians. I was very closed off. I didn't trust anybody, wouldn't let anybody end. I was not a vulnerable gal. Okay. But when I was in college, I had this experience where I just, I had my heart broken and it was a really big deal to me. Okay. Everything is when you're young and you're quote in love, but I was just really hurting. And I remember sitting in my car in my first semester of college thinking, how could this happen again? Like I felt like again, 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 and here I am in the same place, just feeling so defeated, so disappointed, so discouraged, so frustrated. Like what even is love? Like I thought this was it. I was obviously wrong. So like, how do I reconcile that? And so I was just praying and I was like, God, please show me what love actually is because obviously I don't know. Like I thought this was it. I thought that I've been giving it. I thought that I should receive it. Like I, there has to be another way, right? There has to be a better way. And I just remember sitting there and first Corinthians 13 came to mind and I was like, that is so cliche. That's the one that everyone reads at weddings. I've heard it a million times, not interested, like give me something else. But I, I just read it. I opened my Bible. I read it and I saw it in such a different light than I'd ever seen it in before. And I realized that for a long time, I actually was feeling kind of entitled to love and I was getting frustrated when people didn't love me the way I expected them to, or I hoped that they would. And I, as a result, I was constantly let down by people and it made me never want to put any effort in. And obviously my relationship suffered as a result because that's not what it's about. So I just decided, okay, I'm serious about this. I want to figure out what love is. I'm sick and tired of being disappointed and I'm sick and tired of Christians being known for hurting people, hating people, judgment. Like that is so not what it's about. Like, where did we go wrong? And so I just dived into this personal study. It was me. And I asked my friend Megan to do it with me. So I'd have some accountability and we broke down every single one of the attributes of love that's listed in first Corinthians 13. So love is patient. Love is kind, all of those. Right. And for 13 weeks, we practiced one of them. And I remember we would like take a Sharpie and write the word on our wrist or on our arm so that we would be so intentional about remembering it, like seeing it all the time. Okay. This week I'm working on being patient and we would pray for each other and we would challenge each other and come out with, come up with like little ideas to like practice being patient or practice being kind. And it was so much fun. It, I mean, it was hard. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It was a challenge, but at the end of it, I didn't even recognize myself. I was so different and the change came from loving others. It wasn't anything that I did to better myself necessarily. I mean, I did, but it wasn't about me. That's the thing. It wasn't about me at all. And that's why it changed me so much. And I even went through this. I've gone through this several times since I did it the first time. I mean, at the time it was just in a journal and I, I went back through it again and I was just curious, you know, at the end of first Corinthians 13, in that passage, it says that verse and three things remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And out of curiosity, I just asked God, like, why, why is love the greatest? I mean, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just curious because I feel like faith is pretty important. Hope is pretty important, but you chose love. And then it just hit me, duh, like God is love. It's because of God that we have our faith. We have hope. And 
it just clicked in my mind finally that when we love, we are reflecting God in the earth. And that's our purpose as believers. I read it through again, like God is patient. God is kind. Just all the things. He is love. And so it was just a really cool moment for me to recognize, wow, it really is not about me at all. And when I focus on loving people, I'm actually doing my one job (laughs) as a believer, which is to love people. I mean, maybe you feel like you're doing a pretty good job of loving the people in your life. That's awesome. I'm so thankful for you. We need people like you. But maybe you feel like you aren't being loved very well. Maybe you are like me where you're like, I feel like I deserve better. Like, why why aren't people taking care of me? Why aren't people loving me the way I feel like I deserve? Or maybe you've been hurt and you feel like you've got nothing left to give. Like, you just don't even want to make an effort anymore because you just know you're going to be set up for disappointment again. Um, You're scared to be vulnerable. You're intimidated by the difference between you and the people who need your love and you're not sure how to bridge that gap. I get it. That is okay. It's not about getting it right every time though. And I I hope that frees you up because it's not about changing the whole world. (laughs) It's about starting with the people who are right here in front of us and trusting that there will be a ripple effect when we stay consistent and intentional, because how cool is that? Like, because when I feel loved and when I know that I am loved, I can't help but want to pass that on. And so that's, that's the power of it. I feel like is when we love people well, we start that ripple effect. So I don't want to leave you with just that because that's a lot of pretty talk, right? But I want to get practical because I want us to leave here with an action plan because it's great to know the facts. It's great to overcome fear. It's great to do all of the things and like want to love people better. But how does this flesh out in the day to day? Let's talk about that. I have three tips or ideas or challenges or whatever you want to call them to help us really practically love people well. So the first one is to be an initiator. This for a long time is something that I dreaded and I hated and I avoided. I did not want to be the person who initiated it. You know, I was like, if they want to be my friend, they'll text me. If they want to hang out, they would text me. But you know what? Maybe they're busy. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they just didn't think about it, you know, because (laughs) maybe they're not thinking about you as much as that you're thinking about you. At least that was the case for me. Um, And so I realized that we don't have to wait for people to come to us. That's what I did for such a long time. And I was always disappointed. Here's the thing though. Love shouldn't be a response we give based on what others do for us. It should be a response to what Jesus has already done for us. And from a place of knowing how loved we are, because like I said, when you know how loved you are, you cannot help but want to give that to other people. It's just a natural progression, right? Like we are so loved. Oh my gosh. I just have to pour that out. Like I want, I want the whole world to know how loved they are, right? That is the effect of knowing you are loved, truly knowing you're loved. And if you're someone who maybe, um, doesn't know how loved you are, I, I, I just want to encourage you like face those fears, bring those lies into the light because you are so loved and you are so needed. Like the world needs you and knowing that you are loved will make you unstoppable. That that's the key right there. So I just want to encourage you. If you don't know how loved you are, um, you should ask God (laughs) because he will tell you and remind you of what he's already done to show you that you are so loved. Um, bring the people into your life, into that process of uncovering your 
fears and the lies that you might be believing or the beliefs that are holding you back because you are so loved. So let that be the motivation for you to go beyond yourself and initiate loving others. Okay. Be the one to take the first step. Let's, let's agree to be the people who will take the first step. Okay. Then number two, do small things with great love. And you may have heard that quote before. It's from Dante Rossetti. He said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And I love that because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't have to be a huge gesture. It could be as simple as sending a text or a voice message, paying for a meal or bringing someone a meal, helping a single mom clean her house, watching someone's kids, giving someone a genuine compliment, you know, like just looking for ways that you can do the little things and do them well, like do them with a lot of love. And I think sometimes those are the things that make the biggest difference because the little things sometimes are what make people feel so seen and that makes people feel so loved. So do small things. Don't be afraid to do small things um, because those are the things that sometimes bring the greatest impact. And then lastly, simply find out where there's a need. Does someone in your family need love? Like, is there someone really close to you that just you you could probably love a little better? I know for me, <laughs> I can definitely say yes to that. There are people in my household that I can love better. Um, what about your friend group? Maybe someone in your community. Lindsay Aaron said this in episode seven, find a need and fill it. Figure out what's going on in your community. Figure out what's going on in your church. Figure out what's going on in your city, your state something that you could play a role in, whether it's big or small. There are so many things that we can do um, if we would just open our eyes and see the opportunities around us. So I want to challenge you with those things. Be an initiator, do small things with great love, and find out where there's a need. I think if we just focus on those tiny little steps, we could make such a big change because here's the truth. It's not our job to save the world. I know it can seem overwhelming, but I hope that this can reassure you and just allow you a sigh of relief. No one person can solve all the world's problems, but if we each do a little part, then we'd be on our way to having a world that's like a billion times better. Anyway, I think that's pretty much all for today, but I can't wait to hear what you think. Come and comment on Instagram, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the ByWords podcast. I love having you here and I'm so grateful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode and tag me to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram and in the ByWords community group, which you can find links for in the show notes. Until next time, stay brave and remember, I'm cheering you on.